The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 235 Breakdown. Let's go to work. Base. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMA Junkie, and five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you listen to this, hopefully it's before the fight, I'm getting it out. Uh, by the time it's published, you know, a couple hours uh, after the 24-hour mark, which I usually aim, we'll say 27 or 26 hours. Hopefully you get it then. Uh, I'm aiming to only keep this an hour because I've got a, a call with Sirius coming up, our, our, our normal morning call, and uh, running this tight as, as per usual. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I did tweet out, uh, you know, wasn't able going to be able to do it last night. Um, my throat was pretty much almost closed up. A lot of a lot of gland swelling and sore throats and stuff that we don't need to really get into here. But I, I feel much better. I'm glad I, I waited till today. Everybody made weight without issue, so that's great. Um, and uh, we're gonna get to it. Just just gonna breeze through a very brief recap, a few brief shout outs, uh, some people in town and not in town, just fans of the show, and we will go into an expedited uh, breakdown. For, for this week, uh, of course, top three fights. I have written breakdowns on MMAJunkie.com. And, uh, yeah, it, it, again, just been a, kind of an adjusting period, uh, getting some things taken care of and whatnot. So if you haven't seen me consistently there, have no fear. I'll, I'll be there tonight at Junkie Radio, and uh, and all will be good. Uh, the guys have been killing it with their guest list, though, huh? They, they've been killing it lately, so that, that's awesome to see. Um Real quick, UFC progress. It was really good. I mean, aside from being wrong in the main event, uh, it was really, really good, uh, at least for me, uh, uh, degenerate-wise. Pick-wise, too, but yeah. Um, you know, he had uh, Thiago Santos, of course, beat, beat on Blackwood. God damn, uh, Thiago Santos, my goodness. I mean, he's just uh, the hammers, man, the hammers. He just comes out with a Thiago de Malenta, and then he just comes out all angry and just, just smashes people. How can you not be here for that? Uh Oluxage uh, got Giambellante, hey, come on, with a body shot. Um, Carmouche got Lucy Puddle of Love. <laughs> I'm glad y'all appreciated that, by the way. Uh, even even uh, co-host uh, Gorgeous George liked that one, and uh, so did uh, Stephen Fronttroth knock out one of the shouts at Steve Front 9 uh, I was asking, how do you... He DM me. He said, "How do you uh, make these it's so entertaining?" I forget the exact words, but it was a compliment, which I, I'm very awkward about. Uh, but thank you, uh, thank you, Stephen. And essentially, uh, it just—I I naturally talk way too damn much, so it's trying to channel that. And uh, the thing I have the most knowledge base is martial arts, so that's kind of why I got into what I'm doing. And but not even just that—you can't bank on that. I, like, an incredible amount of prep, which. I'll be clear. Uh, I didn't get to go to 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 the the some of the bottom fights here, and some of them for good reason. And I'll explain that too as well. And I and I'm always good about that. But but yeah, I'm, I, I hold myself to the standard a little too much, uh, if you ask most people. <laughs> so, um, but it does take a lot of prep, though. There is good reason for that, and it makes it easier to come on and perform. Also, sleep is good, which I usually don't have. Uh, health, which I also usually don't have. But but. Again, uh, kind of taking some 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 days and, and spacing some things out, trying out a kind of a new schedule, if you will, uh, in case you all haven't noticed. And uh, I, I think it's going to pay off here. We're, I, I, your boy is getting back on track. It doesn't feel like it on weeks like this. Um, but I am, and also like many great things, you take uh, you take great you know you take things and you make them your own. You know you you, you don't want to you don't uh, want to rip anything off per se, but you take great ideas and make them make them your own. Uh, you know. Uh, not from within, like for example, top five. Uh, I always give credit to Film Vault. You know, Anderson and Brian go go download that podcast. Obviously, I take from that, but I mean at the same time, top five. That's kind of something that you know, uh, everybody uh, everybody can uh, everybody can use, and it, it's 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 kind of overused. Or or for example, a lot of times, what I think of this podcast, and I almost go a little bit to that way. Uh, but I, I I love the Bill Burr Monday morning uh, Monday morning podcast and. Uh, and he's, I, I, I relate to him, unfortunately, in a lot, 
in a lot of ways uh, to Bill. And uh, he's got these little angry rants in him. But he's good enough, obviously, because he's a great comedian. He can actually make it funny and entertaining. And it's tough. And even he has a tough time. And he calls himself out when he's not and the energy's not there. It is tough. I do love having co-hosts, especially you know guys like Jordan Killian who aren't just knowledgeable about the sport, but I actually feel a, a kind of kinship with, and I believe that comes through. So that's why you see him on there a lot. But but yeah, a lot of things, kind of long-winded answer that uh, I need to kind of push on. But but thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, Stephen. And uh, and yeah, yeah, we uh, Dwight Grant, Cardo Pillow. So Jesus Christ, uh, you see why I had such a hard time picking that fight and uh, got it wrong, but I stayed away for a reason. Fresh gold came through. Fucking hell, uh, Savage Robertson. Uh, that was a that was a, a pretty entertaining fight for for last and of course Hads of Yeech came through. Um, <laughs> God, I, this is another reason why it's like most people want their podcasts to be popular, and you know, and, and don't get me wrong, Dan Tom really would love like you know some some sponsorships and stuff like that, and that would be awesome. But at the same time, like I don't because I'm gonna have to. You, you know how much shit I'd have to explain if this 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 podcast can't gain any type of traction? Like, puddle of love, for example. <laughs> then why you call me this? Why why puddle of love? Why 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 you say these things? Like, I mean, it would be so uncomfortable. So let's just let's keep this between us, maybe, huh? Uh, unless there are sponsors I want to pay. Uh, but you, you're getting this, they'll warn you. Uh, Carlos Diego Fajeda, I'm glad my, my my itchiness and I went back and watched the. Uh, what you call it? Fight, yeah. Adriano Martins fight. I think I want to say with Kabilov, and that kind of swayed me, swayed me looking at the jiu-jitsu games and the threat and the dynamic unfolded. And, and good for Carlos there. It was a good. It was a, it was fun for a Rustam fight for what that's worth. It still went to the decision. Demir is my Gulov. I don't know, dude. Well, Alvarez, Ishmael, uh, Nardiev defeat Michelle Becheres. Uh, again, I picked Becheres, and I was wrong there, but what did I say? So this guy could upset. Stay, stay, stay away from that chalk. Um, so hopefully you guys did. And congrats to those of you who actually picked or played Nardiev, of course. All right, that's it. We're going to go over. Let's see. Yes, I would like to stay logged in five times because we will be getting to these odds right here. Um, quick shout-out to, of course, uh, James. I know I was giving shout-outs on here, but I actually got to see Mr. Lynch in town, and it's always nice to see him in person. Uh, dude's hustling out there, so make sure you follow his content. And uh, I'm probably going to run into another fellow Canadian. I, I, I got to remind me to message there. Aaron Bronstetter. Shout-out to him. Go follow his content, too, because it's great. Uh, at Aaron Bronstetter. And, of course, he does, like, little fun previews, I think, the day of on, like, Periscope or Twitter. I'm not sure, Aaron. Uh, can shout me there. You just shout him there. I just gave you his address. There you go. Uh, thanks for just re I've seen tweets here as I come up. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to these responded folks, but but J A K A Daytona at ELFC was kind of quote tweeted me with a best fight picks tweet and uh, just to lump me in with with Shaq and Dan. Those guys are some of the most consistent grinders in this game. So that's just uh, that's that's far too kind, Jay. But thank you for lumping me in though. I do appreciate that. And then of course shouts to half the battle and uh, at best fight picks over there. Um, Eric Stevens always giving shouts to everybody at Rhyme Stranger, R-H-Y-M-E Stranger, by the way, if you want to give him a follow. Taylor Peterson always showing the love. I think it's at TJ2K, Taylor Peterson. And uh, Mike Knoll from Jersey, at Mike Knoll1. And, of course, my man, uh, Wes Colvin, at True UK Fan. Of course, he's over there at the MMA Analysis. And saw a tweet from my buddy, MMA gambler Lance Fischel, that uh, he made a return to that appearance. So I, I think I need to go um, dust that off and go go check that out. But there, there's, there's some plugs to the community there. All right, now let's get to the breakdown. Uh, just under about 50 to 55 minutes, uh, I can go more max. So that, that should be perfect here. All righty then. Uh, we're going to go by, uh, top to bottom again. Uh, you know, I haven't heard too much feedback as far as that goes, which is fine. But as far as my feedback goes, you guys can tell me if you agree with it or not. I'm liking it better. So I'm going to keep doing it that way unless you guys tell me otherwise. Or interject more ideas at Dan Tom MMA. And, of course, at the PYN Podcast on all social media platforms. I don't flood you. The follows are appreciated. All right. Uh, we got John Jones, minus 900. Anthony Smith, comeback, plus 600. Um, yeah, uh, definitely, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the inflation is predicted. It's all over the place, the lines, but 
not really juicy enough to kind of play Jones like it was with the Gustafson fight. And uh, Anthony Smith's a hard guy not to root for, even if you weren't rooting for him before. I think a lot of people are kind of rooting for him now, and I think some of these line jumps have shown in that. Uh, of course, even though I've had to remain you know, biased and pick against people, which uh, I'll pick against some surprising people here tonight as well, guys. Um, you got to do that every once in a while, but I feel like I've been pretty accurate. I think the only time I picked against Anthony Smith in the recent feature, or in his recent, uh, in, or recently I should say, is uh, Thiago Santos. And the reason was was because it's just as much as I wanted to pick Anthony Smith, um, lackadaisical kick defense was kind of the thing that jumped out. Um, and against Thiago Santos, obviously that wasn't good. Obviously that's kind of what, what, what led to the end because even though Anthony Smith is so tough and so durable, he was able to take like flying head knees and head kicks and spin kicks to the head, which was insane. Like props to Anthony Smith there. But like like I, Rutan, and many have, have, have long said, uh, just, you know, it doesn't matter how tough you are, um, the liver shot, uh, uh, you know, takes away your chin, you know, it doesn't care about your chin, you know. Uh, Tim Lane, kickboxing coach, used to just do this quiz, say, you have one kick, one kick you can be really good at. Uh, what's it going to be? One kick. One kick you could take into a fight, be really good at. That's your main weapon. One kick. What's it going to be? Uh, and then he hits me away and push it back. What if it has to be a fight? What could be no rules? Because they're, they're edging for ball kick, right? And he's like, yeah, sure. So some people will be like, ball kick. Okay. Some people like, head kick, crow cock. He's be like, spin kick. And really trying to emphasize like some kind of highlight real thing. And he's like, no. The realistic answer is, is, a, is a left kick to the liver. Because no matter what size your opponent, um, that's going to be a realistic target to hit. And uh, no matter what their chin and durability, that's going to kind of shut them down. Uh, and that's what it did with Anthony Smith. Um, but Anthony Smith, man, he's really kind of just shored things up from figuring things out with his health before he was at 185 when he started his initial 185 run and resurgence. And then just kind of still not running at full power, decides to go up to 205 and just, you know, wreck and shop. And, uh, you know, say what you will about the, you know, versions of Shogun and Rashad that he beat. Ozdemir's a legit dude, and, and, you know, God forbid I give credit to myself, but I did call that one exactly, you know, third-round uh, submission. It was going to be a rough go for Smith at first, and he was going to come back. Um, and, you, you know, it, everyone say this is only have the puncher's chance, and in a sense, I, I, I could see that, but I would argue that there are really tangible paths, and I, I believe I outlined it in my breakdown. And the reason, again, I couldn't pick Smith at the end of the day is because the two things that we have seen, I would argue, again, John Jones has been beaten, so we don't know what works against him, right? It all depends on the perception and definition. But um, I would argue that forward pressure and the ability to counter kicks is what's given him the most problem. You know, Lyoto Machida countering the kick, uh, Augustuson countering kicks in the first fight, and, and Cormier with obviously pressure in both fights, but really picking up on the kick countering and countering kicks even with his own, which is funny to think about, but he was uh, in exchanges early on in their in their second fight, obviously before fortunes changed for, for him and Jones established his reads. But yeah, um, the longer this goes, even though Smith, you know, I believe has shed the gassing, any kind of criticisms there and shown his heart and he can hold it together, I still obviously am going to, side with John Jones the longer this fight goes just because his ability to make these kind of in-fight adjustments and just trap setting from the onset. You really kind of retrace his steps, you know, do, do some forensics there. And if he is throwing the same punch or same sequence within the same minute or round, it's usually for a reason. Otherwise, he's, he's, he's really seamlessly changing things up and switching stances on you. Uh, the problem is uh, when he goes to southpaw is when he's most hittable. And even though he's correctly been braggadociously, braggadociously working on his boxing. I think that was obvious going back to his second fight with DC. It really, and that's a fight to me where kind of hit a, hit a different level. Um, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, he's great and not see what he's actually really adjusting, right? But trying to be as critical from my standpoint for what I know, which is, you know, nowhere near the best, obviously, or, or I'm not a, you know, a fighter, but for what it's worth, a guy that, that, that looks at this stuff, um, yeah, 
yeah, I, I really think that, that I took an uptick there. And uh, the problem, though, is that confidence being in that range and him t Braggadocious talking about that after the Gustafson fight is that's the range he's going to want to stay away from with Anthony Smith. And he's talking about going south, Paul Moore. And, uh, you know, granted, Hector Lombard is the complete opposite frame-wise, but just for example, a southpaw there, um, Anthony Smith is well aware that when guys are southpaw, he can just fire his right down the pipe. And when he's aware he can do that, it's a it's bad news for the other guy. So I'm going to be rooting for Anthony Smith. Um, I put, just, I'm, not, I'm not even touching the John Jones talk, chalk. Uh, I, 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 I may or may not have sprinkled on a little bit of Smith inside the distance, but... Uh, but, yeah, even the props are way too juiced for me to touch Jones. Obviously, the pick is Jones as an analyst. I'm not crazy here, folks, just because I don't, I don't dig someone doesn't mean I pick against them unless it's, you know, <laughs> a particular fighter, which I come clean about and I'm not proud about. But, no, even with, the, with, with John Jones, I mean, you really got to be a fucking hater to, try to, to you know, um, deny the guy his skills. Now, the asterisks I won't defend. There is a deserved asterisk there because... The fucking guy's got shit in the system, and he not only has not done himself any favors, he's, like, gone the complete opposite route to put him in the worst proverbial poetic in MMA's way, sickly, the boy who cried wolf scenario. And unfortunately, that boy who cried wolf happens to be sitting atop of most of our pound-for-pound -pound great rankings. Here's MMA, folks. All right, next fight on that high note. Uh, Tyron Woodley, minus 150, come back on Kimaro Usman. Usman. <laughs> Why am I saying it like that? Plus 130. Uh, by the way, not a lot of attractive over and unders here uh, as far as line-wise goes, folks. Um, although I may take that, take a female over to parlay uh, down the line. I'll, I'll tell you which one that is, but I'm not even too confident in that, to be honest. I'm, this is not really a good card for parlay, tipping the hand there. It's going to be on straight plays or bust. And to be honest, a lot of these... Top fights here, guys. Um, I'll tip the hand, you know, with this fight, the next one and the last one. They're not going to be on the avoid list, but I'll probably be avoiding them, to be honest, for, for, for different reasons. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, a fun sprinkle on it, but that, that's bullshit. Everybody's going to, everybody does that, right? Who just when it's just the, the favorites way too out of uh, hand and you put it, but like, there's that. And then there's this one where the line was surprisingly close, and I'm like, oh, I smell a Woodley straight play. They're underestimating him again, like, cause, you know, that was, uh, again, I'm, I, 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 you know, I was high on Darren Till too, but when you really break down the tape, I didn't, I, the line didn't make sense, and you know, when you looked at that last fight, and um, of course, I ended up picking Woodley, and of course, Woodley won. So naturally, you know, you see that line, you start salivating, but. As I look closer to the tape, I get it, you know. And even even though I feel like there is kind of a big brother thing, and that could work for Woodley or could work against him. Maybe you can see it really out Kamaru. You know, as awkward as he might kind of handle himself in the lead-up, right? You got to be careful uh, because then they, they, they show up on game night, you know. Uh, we'll get to him later, but Cody Garbrandt did a similar thing, you know, with uh, Dominic Cruz. Now, again, that could be a stylistic matchup. We'll get to that when we get to more of that fight, but... But back to this one, uh, yeah, Kamaru, Kamaru could definitely show up, and it wouldn't be that much of a surprise if he shows up because say what you will about the man, he's consistent uh, for the most part in regards to his output, style, the direction he moves. And uh, although he's not making giant skill gaps, um, he is doing subtle things that make you, that tell me he's very well trained. Um, and, uh, you know, I always talk about his high percentage you can read my breakdowns on him, and you see on, on, on MMA Junkie for this one. You know he makes such high percentage choices when he is, uh, you know, when he when he when he when he's on the ground navigating as far as how he wants to pass, which way which way he wants to move, um, what he's going to go for, what he's going to give up to get to that position. And the thing was, I was looking at head position on entries, and he does the same thing there. You know, if the guy's a southpaw and orthodox, he's kind of shifting off to that side. He's moving his head off to that side. If he's going against a guy with a good guillotine like Warley Alves, his shot entry is a little bit higher. It's about chest level, right? So it's a really tough. You really got to... Warley would really have to put himself out of position and really make it obvious if he wanted to do that head feed, right, for the guillotine because he wasn't feeding the head for him. Um, and I don't think that's by accident because you consistently do these things depending on the matchup and where the primary threat 
was perceived to be coming from. Uh, and that's going to be really good considering you're like, oh, well, you have a guy who just throws his right hand if you want to be a really crude assessment of Woodley, which was mine for a while. Um, and now I kind of leave room for that because since we didn't really see it too much in the till fight, although he was pawing with it a lot more and used it to kind of uh, regain some ground, he looked more confident in that way. But Woodley did have a long shoulder issue, and you can, granted, you know, he doesn't get too much sympathy for it because I think a lot of people, and I'm sure there was a lot of that negotiating where I'll get the surgery here, I'll fight this person here, I won't. But in some interviews when he seemed to be very genuine as far as, not that Woodley's not genuine, it's just he's always defensive. You know, he's always, what, what was, what? And, you know, and I, I get it, you know. I, yeah, I have a little bit of that myself too, and a lot of fighters do. It's just like, goes along with a chip on your shoulder. Like, I'm not not hating on it, but when you kind of get Woodley to not be defensive, you get some more genuine answers. And, you know, one of them, he was actually pointing to that. He was, you know, I, part of the reason why I don't throw, uh, or, you know, too many hooks or really get creative shots is more just jabs off my left because of uh, my shoulder mobility. So, uh, you know, that will be interesting to see. Granted, the right hand still just works for him. It's one of those things you know it's coming. But it works because he just closes distance like, in, like a man-man. Him and Yoel Romero are like the top distance closers in the sport for my money. Like they're right there neck and neck with each other. Uh, maybe Woodley's maybe probably beat faster being the lighter guy. Uh, especially at this point maybe with Romero older though not showing it. But yeah. Um, and it's not like uh, Usman is not hittable. And when he is hit... You know, last time he's been hit and hurt, or super visual, at least to me, was that Hader Hassan fight real early on. But again, power puncher with the right hand. And for what that's worth, he really hasn't fought too many counter, uh, you know, counter fighters. Uh, Leon Edwards was one, but that was earlier in Leon Edwards' career. And that was a point where Leon Edwards really turned and re-geared his training to wrestling and showing it. And that was a fight he tried to make a point to do so, which was kind of weird. I get why he would prepare for the wrestling, because he was going against Usman, but... Obviously, he engaged in the game a little bit too long, too much too early, and we saw Usman take over. So then you look at the rest of his opponents, we really haven't seen him against that knockout, one-punch power, much less just, you know, pinpoint counterpuncher. And uh, from the counterpunching we have seen Woodley do to the counterfighters that he's beaten, uh, I think I think that's fair to give Woodley that credit. Um, so I understand by Woodley people picking Woodley inside the distance. I just... I wouldn't be surprised. I put in my pick, even though I picked Woodley by decision, I put a strong caveat that he could finish him. And I also admitted that decision is going to be dicey no matter what, even if you are an objective, you know, Woodley supporter, uh, as I would try to consider myself in this scenario here. Um, because, again, this matchup's always been the one that's given him trouble, and I feel almost like a hypocrite not picking Usman, which is why not only did I, even though I picked Woodley, I stayed away from it, is because, yeah, Usman's live, and I almost feel bad not picking him here. Like, it's itching at me. Like, I'm the same guy who said that, you know, although I wasn't sure if I'd pick him, I'd really have to sit down for that matchup. But I could actually see Colby Covington earning, earning himself uh, pick a mods against Woodley, which would sound crazy to a lot of people because, and he would deserve it because he's, he's got a clear path. If, if Woodley can't knock him out, he's going to outwork him. Uh, you know, we've seen it from all the way back his, you know, close split decision win over Nathan Coy, just a gritty, durable, grimy wrestler, right? And then we saw Jake Shields uh, and Nate Marquardt, though he's not a wrestler, he knows how to grapple. He is a very skilled grappler, Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist, could wrestle, but more importantly, he brought the pressure aspect. Um, and those have kind of been the traditional, you know, common threads for the foils of Woodley. So say what you will about Usman maybe not having knockout strikes or a diverse striking arsenal. That's good. Woodley counters kicks uh, really well, deceptively well. And I don't think Usman's going to give him. Usman's just going to give him a bunch of punches. So I don't blame anybody taking the shot on Usman. And if you're a really strong Woodley backer, man, uh, I get the salivation. And I guess I don't, I don't blame you for taking a shot either, obviously. I'm picking Woodley here, folks, but... I think it's going to be a dicey split decision that I think is going to barely go the champ's way. Um, that's kind of my pick for this one. All right, next fight, Ben Askren, minus 275. Robbie Lawler, plus 235. Uh, again, this one's a line that surprised me. Um, as, a, as a huge Lawler fan, as I'm sure many of you are, you're probably salivating over that line, and you probably hit it. And I don't blame you, especially 
if you're like me and you ended up picking the other side and you just don't feel comfortable playing it at that number, uh, obviously with minus 275 for a guy who's never fought in the UFC. Um, but Askren's layoff is the same as Robbie's pretty much, except Robbie's coming back from a knee surgery and a, a wrestling heavy fight is the worst type of fight um, you can get assigned to coming back and I, I don't like that you know that means he's you know and he's got good training partners like logan storley that relentless beast in the gym right but it's like dude i mean you're telling me nothing happened you know and train and robbie like i'm watching interviews with him and he's he's blunt right and he's not the most entertaining but he's very honest and one of the interviews i don't know which one but he kind of i don't know to me the way he answered and he stops and even like how you see his eyes like visually go down and check his left knee. Like, and he's just talking about, he goes, you know, he's like, we're here. We make it happen. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how camp went or something like that. I'm like, ah, shit. I don't think this guy's a hundred percent. And, you know, does, you know, it's just coming back from those things, ACLs. And Askren's the kind of guy, get off the couch and just wrestle your ass off and, he learned early on that he can't be fighting other people's styles. Like, he learned that in wrestling. I mean, the dude switched from, what was it, you know, folk to freestyle or free to folk style. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, uh, midway through and uh, started winning championships and in MMA, just knew that, you know, I need to work on my striking. I'm not going to fucking waste time with that. So I almost commend Askren for that. Um, at the same time, you can't help but look at, like, you know, uppercuts that granted us a while ago, Huron, which, by the way, I still think Huron won that fight. Obviously, I'm super biased for Jay. I was super biased at the time. But, yeah, you know, he drops him with kind of, uh, one in the first round there. And, um, shit, I think something won, won championship, too. But, like, you see certain things, and you're like, oh, yeah, I could totally see fucking Lawler doing that. That's Lawler's game. Like, Lawler's seen this matchup forever right some version of it but it's deceptive you know he's he's lost more of these matchups than he's won when you look at strong pressure grapplers you know and, and even the ones he's won it was like okay matt linlin who was fucking over the hill that was a really that was really bad i mean I remember when that one happened we're just looking at the lines like, oh this is some this is some classic smash making you know <laughs> but like, like oh shit this was uh uh this we knew it was gonna happen here and that was just a devastating knockout. Jesus Christ, go back and watch that. That was fun going back and watching some Robbie Lawler stuff, by the way. Uh, or Jesus, Frank Trigg fight. Oh, my God, that was so brutal. He gives that that really late uppercut. And, you know, you heard uh, go, uh, Goes here on Top 5 Kick KOs uh, talking about that and how, like, the, he didn't interview... Uh, and they made they made peace and whatnot, and I think Robbie's addressed it, and, and you know he's grown from that. But like, it was not a good look for Robbie Lawler, or if you're a Robbie Lawler fan, and uh, let's just say that. And uh, it was bad because like you go to the next fight, and it was like a lead XC or something, and they actually use that for the promo, and they like even like zoom in and do like a graphic on him smiling after he gives Trig the late uppercut, and it's insane. I mean. That thing, you know, you know, Frank Trigg, I think in 2015 or something, was saying like that, you know, because coming out and saying like, that, you know, looking back, like that could have killed me, man. I uh, was talking about like how bad in, of sorts he was. I mean, he was in real bad sorts. Um, uh, he, he was just kind of out. He was just completely out already before that uppercut even landed, and that was just boom. And and yeah, and the and the head went the, the, did that back and forth like a pest thing because it wasn't like the guy was. Um, on the ground, he was hanging on the ropes. Oh, it was so brutal. Anyways, not trying to get hung up on that, but um, even in that fight, he won. But Frank was taking him down pretty much whenever he wanted to, and Frank just kind of ended up kind of gassing with uh, that approach, especially over five rounds, uh, which it was. And then, you know, he goes through his, you know, yeah, like I said, he goes through his middleweight thing, and then we see him, you know, make his resurgence. He takes starts taking things seriously. He's training at American Top Team. Beats Koscheck, which was really impressive at the time. Koscheck just only had a, just had that split decision loss, uh, as far as like losing streak. He he didn't start it, but Robbie Lawler started that losing streak officially, and with, with KOs. And it was really weird too. And even in that fight, you know, again Koscheck was taking him down when he wanted to, and uh, Robbie work, has always been good about working back to his feet. Always been good about butterfly guard. But it's weird. You see him sprawl, and Koscheck even for Koscheck takes a couple beats too long. Like he stays there. Like what the hell? Like. Like, he seems kind of lost. And you know what? It really reminded me of Jake Ellenberger versus Kelvin Gastelum. And you look at the trends of their careers. They happened both around the same time. And you see certain tells. 
you hear guys talk about as far as a shot fighter for not throwing back. I think that's the boxing tell, right? And that's the general tell for MMA because the fight started on the feet. And that's kind of how we just generally gauge combat. Grappling obviously doesn't get as much love. But when you look at it from a grappling sense, perhaps there are tells when a fighter's reactions and, and, sh- and kind of shotness are, are showing there. You know, I mean, you see, it's not like Ellenberger didn't have success in his own fight, right? I think he even landed a couple shots on Kelvin, gets like a suplex, but then just kind of, you know, after, after he gives a couple of his best beats, it's almost just like, <sighs> either it's a long recuperation or something else is going on there, you know what I'm saying? And I love, uh, I love Jake, uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Um, but, um, you know, you, you got to wonder when you look at these things, it's really kind of eerily spooky, those kind of parallels there. And Josh kind of did the same thing, and then Robbie just knocks him out with those short shots. And credit to Robbie, obviously. Um, but yeah, um, you know, Johnny Hendricks was kind of falling in love with his hands and adding an arsenal, celebrating the southpaw for a southpaw matchup. So he really wasn't shooting for takedowns heavy uh, until he really kind of needed them, and his corner was screaming for him. And he was able to get those crucial takedowns for the most part, even with one arm, one functioning bicep, I should say, uh, in their first fight. Um, and it's weird, by the way. Am I the only one that scores those opposite? Like, I think Robbie had more of a case for the first fight off damage, whereas I feel like, uh, you know, somewhat squarely, you could say Hendricks took three re- the three middle rounds of the second fight. Anyways. But, yeah, so it can kind of get real deceptive there. Like, he's always been a deceptively good wrestler. He's wrestling himself, and, uh, you know, he doesn't mess around. He's not going for any takedowns or scrambles. He's getting up when he needs to, but... Uh, but yeah, man, um, you can't help it. Like I, I can't help this see this similar going to Tim Kennedy fight. Now Tim Kennedy had a bunch of muscle and size on him that Askren won't have. But I would argue that Askren's technique equalizes what uh, that Tim Kennedy equation. And by the way, I love that fight. That was one of those fights, especially you know, I was competing at the time and sparring, and that was one of those positions. If I ever got to cross side position, like a low cross cross side, like uh, Tim Kennedy is, where you're more on the hips. I love that, man, where Tim's low on the hips and he clamps down on the other side of Robbie's hips, the far side, with his right arm uh, clamping down on the far side. So he's got he's got the hips snug. He's got his head tucked low and kind of curled in, almost curling it into there, right between their sternum and belly button. And your he- forehead's pushing into their chest to kind of help pin them down. And it also only keeps the back of your head exposed, which are technically illegal shots. Uh, which really doesn't stop, stop the guy from swinging back, but it's a nice protected position, and that other arm, arm is free to kind of arc up and kind of arc down and just start repetitively smashing. Like I love that fucking position. And you see uh, Tim in a real dogfight just get that in the third round. That was awesome. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I don't know. It, it, I have a, a tough time. Uh, you know, Again, I feel like Askren's more, more of a guy that can, that can get off the couch, but I also feel like... You know, that's another reason why I went with Woodley. Their dynamic of training is going to work better than Usman and Robbie Lawler. Uh, granted, this, yeah, the stance differ, differentials with Robbie Lawler to, to Woodley. But as far as wrestling pressure, like, you know, Woodley's getting that from Askren. And back to the Askren matchup, uh, Askren's getting the wealth of knowledge of Woodley, Den Thomas, who is already prepped for Robbie, knows how to beat him. They can offer the, he's, you know, granted it's from the opposite side, but they can offer power shots uh, to keep, uh, Askren's uh, head and check on those entries, and uh, say what you will, would leave much harder to take down than than Robbie Lawler, um, and uh, so he's going to have that. And just being Rufus Sport and, and and training camp UFC, I, I think we're going to see. Me, uh, who knows? We'll, we'll see. Maybe even a better shape, uh, Ben Askren. I didn't get to look at the weigh and see what he looked like on the scale, but everybody made weight without issue. So um, I'm recording this right as that kind of hit. For, for time reference there. Um, all right. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, I see him being able to, to get and keep Robbie down and kind of frustrate him for three rounds. Now, would I be surprised if Robbie ices him? No, uh, I don't blame you guys for playing that. But, man, I don't care what the line is. I had a really tough time picking this fight, guys. I don't know if any of you guys did too, but I had a really tough time picking this fight. I am not confident at all, but the pick is Askren by decision. All right, next fight. Uh, Speaking of not confident, Willie Zhang, minus 130, and Tisha Torres, plus 110. Um, 
you know, maybe I might have been swayed by Tisha coming in studio, but she seems like she's in a great place, man. And uh, I came in. Again, I, this is tough. I, I, I'm going against somebody who I already declared the dark horse of the division, you know, uh, under uh, right behind Tatiana Suarez coming for that title is Willie Zhang. And I still believe that, even though even if my pick here comes through with Tisha Torres. Um, I just feel like uh, this is possibly could be one of the w worst matchups for her in the division. Um, in the sense that her ground game looks like it's her jiu-jitsu looks better than Tisha Torres already. But I don't know how hard we can go on Tisha Torres for that, for the sense of, I hope she, she's addressed that more, but uh, she was doing the, the, the camp in Denver, and you could tell she didn't want to like diss them. She's like, oh, it was good training and whatnot, but, you know, she knows that she needs to be in that that that, that, that big stable and that, that uh, at, the, at the top level, and that really worked well for her, so... She spent the solid last two months there and, and seems in a great place for it. And uh, she's really tough to discourage. She's tough to finish. And, and you know, if you really want to look at a, a fighter on paper to, to beat Willie Zhang, you're like, who is it? A, a young fighter who is experienced but not experienced going past the first round. I mean, Willie Zhang has only been past, you know, uh, been the decision, I think, three times in 18 fights. I don't have it in front of me. Um, and most of her fights, I think, like 10, 10 of those 18 fights or something are ending in the first round. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, she, you know, how, you know, so I, I would say, well, a veteran, a veteran that knows how to go to decision that that's their specialty. And since that's their specialty, a veteran that knows how to go to decision that's durable, check, check, check for Tisha. Um, okay. Willie Zhang, she's got the Wushu Sanda, which more traditional martial arts. She throws a lot of side stance kicks. Uh, she's a, she's a heavy striker. Uh, okay, who do you want? Okay, well, someone with striking experience for sure, right? Some type of striking experience. Now, stylistically, I don't know how it's going to match out. Um, I wouldn't say it's superior. I would say between the Russians and the Chinese that Wushu Sanda is probably winning out more than karate-taekwondo kind of hybrids. But Tisha Torres is one of the few fighters that have actually been parlaying it effectively uh, in the female divisions uh, longer than, 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 you know, than a Holly Holm. Uh, certain moves specifically that Holly Holm does, you know, Tisha, not, you know, she would uh, uh, go from Southpaw, but early on in her career, she's the American top team, just as orthodox, but then she'll still throw, you know, she'll parlay, you know, that right power kick, the tie kick, and or, or round kick, and she'll miss it, but she'll parlay it into a side kick. So she'll use side kicks, but she uses them really smartly. Has been doing it for a while to exit off angle rather than come back in to the power of the bigger, stronger fighters that she is fighting. And because of her footwork and understanding of range, because of karate and taekwondo, that she can actually be an effective outfighter and counterpuncher uh, against longer, just as skilled strikers. I mean, we even saw her do it in fights that, you know, she lost close fights to, like with Rose. Uh, and obviously, she won the first one with Rose. But even, you know, with Rose, she was able to find the counters. Now, it wasn't able to be good enough, and Rose was able to punctuate at the end of both those first rounds. But what I loved in that fight is, even though she was... And one of them, it looked like she actually could have been rocked. Probably the closest I've seen Tisha being rocked maybe in the UFC. Because Rose lands like a really big right hand. And it's like in the first round. And it's some solid shots Rose lands too. Uh, which we would learn were legit, obviously, right? Uh, later on, she would really make use of those. Like she, she lands the same like three-piece combo. Like, but lands all of them on Tisha, right? And then she, and you, you cut to Tisha uh, down two rounds. And uh, Din Thomas, like, you know, he's doing the smart thing. He's like, all right, we gotta, we gotta, come on, you know what I need from you. And, you know, almost... You could use him being too, you know, babyish, you know, oh, maybe it's because he's a female or, you know, I don't think it's because of that. I think, like, just fighters just need to be spoke to differently. But what was great was that Tisha was already kind of gearing her. She was coaching herself up. You could see she was smiling. There's attitude is, you know, you hear, like, Trevor Whitman, attitude is everything. And she was already doing that to herself. Like, she was smiling, getting up, and she went after it and arguably, you know, took that third round. I think she did in all three judges' scorecards. Um Although she couldn't get around for the Joanna one, which was kind of surprising. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you look at it, even when she's down and out. And then even with the pressure of Andrade, like she was counting. She was doing way better than I remember in that Andrade fight. Like being able to counter, take those shots well. We know how hard Andrade hits. You know what I'm saying? Like she's been there. She's been there against former champions and possible future champions. You know, f champions before they got to the belt. 
in, in the case of Rose and possibly again now in the case of Andrade. And Tisha Torres has been in there. Like, she's already faced her toughest matchups in the division. And that's one thing I talked about her in the interview. I'm like, if you really look at it, those were kind of your toughest matchups. Now, does that mean she's going to win this fight? Absolutely not. You know, I would not be surprised for Willie Zhang to, to beat her uh, by decision. Uh, maybe even to hurt her on the feet because these Chinese girls seem ridiculously... They got that Li Jiang Li retard strength. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Use the word again. Uh, chuck off your bingo cards for the Patek Neck podcast. But, uh, but, you know, they're really strong. And, of course, her submission game is is good. But the thing is, I don't think Willie Zhang has everything to string it together. Like, you even look at that triangle finish. It was beautiful. She adjusted everything perfectly. But she didn't mean to go for the triangle. Now, that's not a knock on it at all. But what I'm saying is there's no process there. She went for the mount. Uh, and uh, Aguilar goes to backdoor escape, kind of like Verdun does. Uh, and it's very, it, she does what she should be doing. Uh, and Willie Zhang takes a chance. Now, she does it right by grabbing the back of the head and the proper back of the tricep that she was going to trap for the triangle uh, to give her the leverage while that turn and uh, spin of position was happening. And she did it right. It was beautiful. And then when she hits the adjustment, she doesn't grab the foot. She grabs the strong part, right? She grabs just above the ankle, the bone. That's where you adjust because anybody can catch a triangle. She's already catched it, which was crazy enough. But you have to be able to adjust it. And then she adjusts to an armor. That's all beautiful. But it was not high percentage in the slightest. And something tells me that she's still in that stage where she's going for those things. And that's only going to fuel her more despite training at a good camp with... Uh, Mr. Bone in her Instagram as Kapozak Grabaka uh, Hitman uh, pointed out. Yeah, yeah. That gave a damn. Yeah, head nod for sure. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, if I look at it, you know, what's the one matchup to beat Willie Zhang? Man, Tisha Torres, I think, is a sleeper. Uh, I think it's going to be a greasy decision, guys, because Willie Zhang, her cardio, it looks like it could fade, it looks like it could be strong. It's hard to tell from the sample sizes we've gotten. Tisha Torres is going to push that pace, um, so I think I think it's going to be a. a, a I think Zhang's going to take the first round, or it's going to be close, and Torres is going to start pulling away uh, for a split decision or unanimous decision win. Uh, I played Tisha Torres uh, by a unit. All right, I'm going to speed this up. Cody Garbrandt minus one forty-five. Pedro Munoz uh, plus one twenty-five. This one I did end up adding on my fights to avoid. At first, it wasn't going to be. Uh, because I didn't want to dissuade anybody taking the shot on the dog, justfully so. And Pedro Munoz, I mean, this guy, this is a spot that he seems to excel in, right, guys? Um, but the line kind of crept so close that so many people did take that shot that Garbrandt is down low now, too. That being said, even people like myself who are picking Garbrandt, and I'll, and I'll explain to you why here in a second, um, it, I'm still not comfortable uh, enough because, again, uh, the, the respecting that Pedro Munoz factor here and where is Cody Garbrandt at uh, and the criticisms of his chin, regardless of if you, th you thought they were fair before, they're more than fair now. And you actually, you know, and I've got to be worried. He took some decent time off, but, you know, I, you know, you still wonder, maybe did he still take enough time off? Uh, I don't know. Uh, how has he been treating his sparring? You know, how are these things going? There are way too many questions with Cody Garbrandt, but the reason why I'm picking him here, guys, is because, and gals, and, and women, uh, is because, uh, again, back to the Willie Zane Tisha Torres, if I want to pick what's the worst matchup for Pedro Munoz, it would be the top three guys at Bantamweight, or the proverbial top three, uh, not including Marlon Marais, right, who I think is a future champ as well, folks. But I'm talking about Dominic Cruz, TJ Dillashaw, and Cody Garbrandt. The guys who can wrestle, uh, counter-strike, uh, the you know wrestle wrestle and counter strike. Even though TJ is more of a pressure fighter, but he can counter as well, right? And punctuate exchanges. Um, those are the guys uh, can dictate those exchanges. And Cody can wrestle. I don't think the wrestling's ever come under question. I don't think he's really shot at terrible times. Uh, you know, the little scrambles that he did get, you know, and he's looked good in. Uh, he looks like he's a real hard to handle kind of guy. And Munoz, unless you're really giving it to him. He's really not going too far out of position, minus that Russell Dolan, which was sweet, the boa choke. Uh, you know, he's really not throwing himself too far out of position to go for these, you know? I mean, occasionally he'll, he'll try to snatch, but, but he's, he's not really doing that too much. Um, and it's been more veteran guys who can kind of counter who have been able to beat Pedro Munoz, you know? Dotson, again, the wrestling, keep it on the feet, counter-striking, uh, Sun Sao. And uh, Jimmy Rivera in that close split in Brazil, which uh, 
I know a lot of people are still sour about, but uh, maybe because I, I was on Jimmy Rivera for that one, I was I was felt good about that one. That's just a fun fight. That's a classic fight. Doesn't matter who you were on, on that one. But you look at those kind of common threads there, and you're like, wow, that's Garbrandt, you know. And uh, aside from Dominic Cruz, where I was on Dominic Cruz, and I think that was just kind of a bad Styles matchup. What I was hitting to earlier, I feel like I've been pretty accurate on Garbrandt, you know. Um, even back in them when you know uh, against uh, Thomas Almeida, when Thomas Almeida was that was the flavor of the month. Right, and uh, Carbrandt was a, was a dog to him. Um, hey, I was at that fight actually, uh, but uh, you know, and I feel like I, I, I've I've called his fights fairly well, uh, and I think this is his matchup. You know, and that's the one thing when I have picked against Munoz, I have, pick, I have PTSD against picking against Munoz. By the way, so that that is another reason why it's an admittedly on my avoid list. Not saying it should be on yours, folks, but for what it's worth, it's on mine. It's because I'm always like, okay, this defense, like, they're bound to tax him, right? Like, they have to tax him sometime. Like, this can't go on forever. And, uh, and and somehow it does. The dude's still never been knocked out or really shown to be, like, seriously hurt too bad. Well, he recovers well. But Garbrandt is a fucking hitter, and that is for sure. Can he do it? I don't know. I'm picking him uh, to get it done. Um, po uh, possibly inside the distance, possibly by decision. By just playing conservative because he, he's down 2-0, so he's going to be a more conservative Cody as well, which is good and bad. So, but I'll take Cody. All right, uh, this one I had a hard time on too. Almost one on my avoid list, but it's playable for it's still playable for either side you're on, and I, I don't want to dissuade either side because I I love both sides on this. You got Zabit Magomed Sharapov minus 250, Jeremy Little Heaton Stevens plus 210. Um, yeah, man, uh, Zabit, you know. Is like, oh, I actually didn't like this matchup for him at first. Because, again, you think about bad matchups in the division. I, th I don't know if I said it on this podcast. But I know I've said this before that, at least for right now, early on, uh, I think Jeremy Stevens is a bad matchup. Like, And, again, back to the Torres and Zhang. If, if, if this matchup gets made like next year, I'm picking Zhang. Like, it's that simple if this same match it was made. But I just feel like it's going to, you know, Tisha's going to catch at the right time. And I feel like Jeremy Stevens could be that guy here. I'm not picking him, but I will say I am avoiding the Zabit chalk, and I'm warning people playing it too heavily. Do what you want, but between Zabit's uh, defense and uh, hold that moment. hold that note, sorry, Stevens defense. Sorry about that. God damn, I hate the Slack app. It just fucking lights up. And uh, anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, Stevens, uh, you know his defense. Uh, his leg kick defense and the head movement. The head movement for Zabit is good and very much improving. I got to credit Mark Henry to that, I imagine, when he's offensively boxing. But when he's defense, he does that kind of tall guy thing where he backs and the head goes up. And his legs are always there to be hit too. Not always. He's really good with range, obviously. He'll back up. But if he's within range, you won't really see him check. His defense is kind of getting out of the way. But when he's not getting out of the way, can't get it out of the way, or he's caught not thinking about getting out of the way, his legs are there to be hit, and that's been Steven's favorite thing. He's been fucking guys up with that. Um, yeah, even saying he was going to do it to Jose Aldo, which was like, you're a madman, Stevens, even though I'm picking you here. Uh, you're a madman for doing that. And uh, he wasn't lying. He was going after Jose Aldo's legs, obviously. Uh, he ended up getting stopped in the first round with that body shot. But that was another thing. It was like, not taking anything away from Jose Aldo. God, I love that. And maybe that's why I have trouble here is you love being in the position when you do pick on the side of the veteran, you know, saying, hold on, young man, wait your turn. Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, it definitely felt good picking Aldo against Moicano uh, on the flip side of that. But I don't want to, so I don't want to take away from that for sure. But it does make sense. Jeremy Stevens does have tough weight cuts. He doesn't seem to be a guy that's, that's full of excuses. If anything, he's being more open and honest uh, now than ever. But he said he had a bad weight cut and actually had a real soreness on his chest. In that area, and he's like, God, I hope I don't get hit here. And he look, he gets hit there. It's not the liver. They call it a liver shot, but the liver is down. Trust me, guys, I love aiming for that motherfucker. Um, the liver is 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 down to your right. Uh, it's not uh, toward the, up toward the center of the sternum. It's it's down toward your right, uh, like you're going toward the kidney, but kind of just short and just lower area. You know, right where that belt line's meeting the waist. You're aiming right there, um, right above there. Uh, yeah, and. Um, but uh, but yeah, so not taking anything away, but it, it kind of makes sense. And Jeremy Stevens is a tough guy to stop, um, and he's deceptively tough to take down. You know, he's only been taken down I think twice in his last six fights. 
But, you know, those are the fights he, he's lost. The last guy to take him down and still lose was Henan Burrell. And as impressive as that seemed maybe to some at the time, and I was on Stevens there too, um, maybe not as much. We saw the, the cliff that Henan Burrell kind of fell off of. So, so yeah, you know, and, and even when he does get taken down or lose, you know, like you saw him, like he's not easy to submit. We saw that in Charles, the Charles Dubronx fight. That was, even though he lost, I was super impressive, especially in retrospect, you know, that he was surviving all that. So I don't know if... Magomed Sharapov submits him, but I am picking Sharapov here. I was, oh, I was, man, I was so, I may still sprinkle on Stevens in, inside the distance because I'm, I'm I'm honestly scared off from the Sharapov chalk. Maybe I'll, if I do a for fun parlay, there's nothing really to parlay on this card, guys. Uh, so maybe Sharapov will make it in. And then I kind of hedge with a, uh, you know, a little sprinkle on Stevens inside the distance. I don't know. That's like degenerate shit talking. In other words, but I'm not playing anything serious on this uh, if I do, and, and neither should you. I'm really honestly probably just going to avoid this one and just enjoy it. Um, yeah, because uh, Stevens is going to be real live, not just in the first round, guys, but Stevens is going to be live in the third round. Easy, Derek. Easy. He's going to be real live in the third round. Uh, you know, we, again, Zabit. It's not that he tires or, or he has gassing issues, but we have seen him kind of slow down in some of his fights, at least guys that bring pressure on him, and, and Stevens is going to bring a plenty of that. So, um, anyways, all right, next fight is I the line expired on me with that whole thrown out of my rhythm. All right. Um, Jody Walker, minus 150. And Misha Serkinov, plus 130. Uh, the line flipped on this one, as I expected it would, because Johnny Walker is super popular. And uh, But this is the kind of guy that I, 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 I usually fade. And I think I, I um, said that last time and then ended up picking him for good reason. And he showed why, and that was awesome. And, and I really I think I broke that down on MMA Junkie Radio, that finish. I actually, uh, not by knockout, because it was a points tournament and I was just a teenager, um, but I actually got a similar one in a, in a, in a, in a Kempo Karate points tournament. And it's because, again, the, uh, what is it, the hook, uh, a spin kick or a hook kick really needs to be counterbalanced by something. And believe it or not, sometimes a spin is the best thing to counterbalance a spin. That sounds overly flashly slash very risky, which I'm not going to argue too much on the risky part. But you, you're already at risk at that point. You do need to bring yourself back on balance. And sometimes a spinning back fist is the best way to do it. And especially because those spin or hook kick in this case will corral a person to that side anyways because it's your weak side and they're going to go go and get off to that side to get away from the kick and get to your perceived weak side. So changing those terms and hitting them with a spin, oh, it was so beautiful. That being said, this guy from jumping around training to just the ways and interviews and He's just a goofy guy. Like, it's so hard to take seriously. And granted, you know, the heavier weight classes, you're going to take those losses early, those kind of losses like that. So I, I get it. You can't, you know, criticize him too much. But uh, you can't criticize him too much. But at the same time, you know, the same reason why I picked Khalil against him, I, I, I don't know if it was Wagner or who it was, but a Southpaw a guy just fucking smashing him. And, uh, God damn it. Every fucking hitting me up, God. There's another reason why, even though I don't like like to record, I like to to, to write and record these things because you get the best me. My voice is at its best in, during the day. Every motherfucker has to hit me up and just everything from work and just the constant inundation of this fucking world. God damn it! Next vacation, I'm just going on the fucking wilderness and just getting away from everything. I'm not even gonna bring my phone. I'm gonna, I'll bring a sat phone if I need to fucking get lost or stranded. Anyways, back to the breakdowns. Push through, Dan. Push through. We're going to make it mush. The fuck were we talking about? Um, Johnny Walker. Uh, Johnny Walker. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I see Sirkinoff getting him there. Sirkinoff, again, you know, he, he admitted he, he's an honest guy. His training situation wasn't the best. He's come down here, Extreme Couture, and uh, there's a little bias there, granted, but I know he's in really good hands. He's getting a lot of good... Uh, looks from middleweight to light heavyweight, and uh, I think we're going to see him hit a turn here. I know I picked Pat Cummins against him because I wasn't sure. I thought that this type of matchup, that type of matchup, may be deceptively tough, stylistically, uh, proved to be wrong, and I just could see him winning in a lot of ways uh, against Johnny Walker, where all I can really see Johnny Walker is knocking out Sirkinov. So, for dog money, I played Sirkinov. All right, next fight: uh, Cody Stamen minus two hundred versus Alejandro Perez. 
plus 170. Speaking of PTSD betting against guys like Pedez, man, I have, I cannot fucking bet against this guy. Jesus Christ. Um, maybe that's why, like, I'm, 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 I may play, you know, Stammen. I don't know. It's tough because it's like, okay, well, I'll play Stammen by decision, but decision's plus 150. It's like right close to minus 200, so it kind of kills you even wanting to even think about playing that. Um, and there's a lot of lines. I'll probably miss it and not think of it, but there's a lot of lines kind of like that. Uh, on this card, uh, but yeah, Perez, it's weird, he's been looking good lately, but there was just a run where it was just like, he had a draw, a fucking fight where he has dropped like three times in a round, or four times throughout the fight, and still wins, fight where another guy's legs fall off, like, I'm like, how, this guy's the most unlikely fucking winning streak, it's ridiculous, but if he does win this one, he does, he, he deserves a big spot. It's it's tough. I, I don't see him taking Stammen down, and, and Stammen shuts these guys, pressure guys down. He's already had pressure looks from Terry on Wares to uh, hyper-athletic, dynamic guys like Duke Enois. Um And even though he's less UXC experience, I like the matchups that he's gotten better, especially it has it... As it pertains to this matchup, and there's my alarm, because I live by fucking alarms to warn me that I have seven minutes until the show call starts. Um, we'll see if I even finish this. All right, uh, Mickey Gall minus 230, Diego Sanchez plus 190. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually taking Sanchez here, uh, taking the dog. Um Again, Diego Sanchez is, a, is another run where, like, I think I, I did the math one day. And, like, going all the way back from his, like, Cantman fight and, like, uh, other fights, like, where the Pearson fight. Like, he won one fight in, like, seven years or something really ridiculous. Like, he only could say, like, I, I forget what, what the math is. I don't have time to look it up now. Um, but, uh, you know, I... I have given Diego Sanchez credit where he's due, man. You know, I picked him against my favorite, Jim Miller, and played him by decision. And sure enough, that came through. And uh, I, I wanted to pick him against Hell, but I, I, I was a, I was a pussy, and I didn't do it. And uh, I was one of those fights where I outline exactly what's going to happen, but I'm too scared to, to pick the guy everybody's fading. And uh, sure enough, he, he won. I think this is a similar matchup. I think Hell's more dangerous than Gall on paper. We'll see. Gall's dangerous, though, because he's young, and we've only seen him once in the last, like, one and a half to two year stretches by the time this fight happens. It's, it's crazy when you do the math, because we only saw him once in 2018, and it wasn't, like, until mid-late 2017 was before that, or something like that, right? So it, it's a really tricky sample size. You know, he's out there training with uh, Joe Schilling and some other people at Muscle Farm out there in L.A. I'm sure he's got nice, some nice training partners, uh, but, yeah, Sanchez, man, he still seems full of life, uh, Headwise, I don't know. I mean, we had, <laughs> we had him in the studio, and he just kept looking off, like, into, like, not to anywhere any of our cameras were. Like, he just kind of kept looking off just, like, into the distance and, like, was trying to get questions out of him. But uh, but he, he, he did seem sharp in certain areas. Like, he's like, oh, I know this guy's got a good guillotine. He's counting on that. But then he, like, really, like, he went through, like, the Rolodex of, like, all the guys he's fought who's tried to guillotine him and what he's done to him. And I'm like, I can't argue that, Diego. You are correct. You uh, counter those pretty damn effectively in many, many ways. Uh, so he hasn't been submitted for a reason. He's been in there with the best grapplers, the best uh, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys, wrestlers, legends of the sport. Uh, and even when he has been stopped, it was, you know, he he's not been a guy that that's been guys have been able to control on the ground. Um, so. Could Mickey Gall do it? Sure. It'll just be that, that uh, I added to the depressing file, which is overflowing, you know, from BJ Penn getting submitted to so forth. So, you know, it wouldn't be beyond, but that minus 230 number, I have a tough time seeing it. Gall hasn't proved himself on the feet yet, even against a guy like Sanchez. And uh, he better hope he not, knocks Sanchez out like he's saying because uh, Sanchez moves forward, whether he hits things or not. Uh, the judges tend to reward him. So I, I went ahead and uh, threw down on Sanchez there. <coughs> right. Next fight, Edmund Shabazian, minus 140. Charles Bird, plus 120. It's the comeback on Mr. Bird. Um, I like this fight for Edmund, even though, again, the thing with Edmund, it's always going to be, well, not, 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 it's always going to be Edmund, but, uh, you know, not always, but it's, it's always going to be sample size, at least for right now, because it's so low. And we did get a decision off of him. And he barely made it through, but he did show some good wrestling. By the way, uh, I won't say who, but uh, 
Let's just say I know a fighter bet 11 grand on Edmund. And uh, can you imagine the sweat that person must have been there sitting in the audience on that fight? Like, you want to talk about, like, worst fights to fucking sweat and, like, throw a heavy bet on? Like, that, I can't think of a much more worse fight than that. Like, two untrustworthy guys just deep into a fight fucking. <laughs> like, like I, I joked with that, but I'm like, you, you know you ate, you put seven years on your life by fucking being, by being, you know, watching that one and betting that one live, right? Like, Jesus Christ. Um, but I'm actually taking Edmund here. I don't know if I'm going to play him or not. It's tough because um, it, it's, he's minus 140, but fight doesn't go the distance. is minus 180, and that's right there. And but minus 180, I don't know if that's low enough for me to want to play straight at that point, but it is kind of a safer angle. Although I feel like Edmund's going to be a bad stylistic matchup. He's shown that he has the wrestling, um, which could shut down Bird, but more importantly is length and movement. Uh, I think Bird's a little bit plotty, and I think Bird tends to gas out. Um, and if you look at his sample size, it's much bigger. But he's only been a decision, I think, like three times in his career. I mean, he's really kill or be killed out there. And against a guy like Shabazian, who seems to play the same game, um, I'll take the more diverse uh, uh, younger guy on, on the up trajectory. And hate going against guys from Fortis MMA. It seems like a really tight crew down there. But um, this Edmund kid seems to be surprising each time out. And so he gets a ridiculously tough matchup or... We see more of them, then uh, I'll go ahead and ride with them here. I don't know if I'm going to play it, though. All right, uh, this next two are on the avoid list because, well, Gina Mazzani, plus 400. Macy Chasson, minus 500. God, I'm glad I, I had missed that and didn't have to go through that correction. But uh, I'm taking Mazzani because uh, Homer for Mazzani. Noah, extreme couture. And this line is super inflated, ridiculous, and I'd have to go and watch Tough to watch a lot of kiss on recent stuff and Dan didn't watch tough as you know I never watched tough and so if I'm on a tight week like this there was a matchup I was going to sacrifice this one said all over it so don't follow me off that cliff but uh, I'm picking Mazzani as a homer and to be honest I would sprinkle on that anyways if I'm seeing on some like uh, unproven females getting lines with that big of a spread fuck I'm sprinkle of the dog out of principle and I don't do that or say that that often all right, um, Pollyanna Viana minus 260, Hannah Cyphers plus 220. To be honest, I didn't do research on this. Pollyanna Viana fucked up some crack meth head guy. And Hannah Cyphers, according to interviews I've seen of her, looks like she will cower if you, like, move too fast or, like, raise a hand or something. Which is fucked up to say, I know. But, like, you see interviews of her, she's just like, well, they let me out of the closet. They let me out of the cellar to fight this time. And... It's really mean. So I'm sure she's a sweet girl, but oh my god, it just holy shit! And she just seemed, uh, my god, like just just her interviews. Like it was just. I know that's what she's known for, but it's just oh my god, it was just like what the fuck. Uh, I'll take Viana. Maybe it's some chalk that I'm missing there by putting it on my avoid list. So if you know something that I don't, or uh, you know uh, you listen to the other fellow grinders or podcasts, they know something. Go listen to those podcasts. Good luck to you. That's it for me. Let's uh, recap these things for this. This call comes in um, real quick. Willie Zhang. Willie Zhang. Oh, yeah. Zhang means awesome in Chinese. So uh, Willie Awesome. Let's call her Willie Awesome, shall we? Willie Awesome. And uh, you go read her uh, her bio uh, under the UFC.com. There is no way in hell she wrote that. The Chinese government fucking wrote that shit so bad. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Team Alpha Male equals dazed and confused. Yeah, Josh Emmett's facing uh, Michael Johnson. Like those guys, like they pick uh, the Team Alpha Male. Like they just pick on one forty fivers and single them out. It's it's hilarious. Um, you know they they it's it, it's hilarious. They uh, Dennis Bermudez or Michael Johnson. It's that's why I made the uh, dazed and confused reference with the with the with the gif of them paddling people. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> like, uh, shouts to people who've seen dazed and confused. By the way, like. Uh, I wouldn't cast Team Alpha Male guys if I really were to cast that group. Like Ben Affleck, who is like the chief asshole. Like I would, told, uh, he would be Matt Hughes because like if you look at like Matt Hughes or Mark Hughes' brother, his twin brother, when they had longer hair, they kind of had that Affleck almost like seventies kind of thing. Maybe because they're like farmer dudes. Like he, so he actually could look the part at one point of his life. But uh, from the bullying part, definitely. And uh, Cole Hauser, I could see Justin Gaethje as Cole Hauser. Cole Hauser is the guy who. Uh, he, he pulls up. He's the guy that drives the truck with the CB and the radio, and they pull up to the fucking junior high school. And uh, 
<laughs> he gets on the CB and he's just like, listen here, you little runts. You need to make it easy? Meet me here? After school? Or it's open season all summer long. <laughs> I can see fucking Justin Gaethje's psychopathic ass doing that shit in high school. By the way, shame on you guys. Like, I, I, I'm grateful. I was in the late, mid, mid, nine, mid to late 90s amongst the last to see paddling. Like, when I got out of junior high school, in other words, this is before it got outlawed, at least here in Vegas, we would actually have all the high schoolers with paddles out the window waiting for the buses following us, and we would have to have routes. It was hilarious. So we had to... So, you know, seventh grade, even though we weren't being chased, we had a route anyways, just in case. And I saw him. Shout out to Joe Vernola, one of my friends who was also uh, in MMA from the early days. But Joe was really small and would also get picked on for being tiny. And uh, he got paddled in eighth grade. So when it was our turn to be in eighth grade, we'd always pick on Joe. And he's like, all right, now you're fuckers. your fuckers turn. So he actually waited at the bus stop for us. Uh, well, now it's the, our eighth grade. Now the paddlers are following. Now it's like, okay, now it's really go time, guys. We, we had a practice run last year. Now we really got to go. And uh, fuck, it was like it was right out of a movie, guys. Essentially, we, we go out. The paddlers try to head us off. But they see Joe. And Joe's so small. They're like, oh, let's get him. And he goes, and... <laughs> <laughs> and they start surrounding him. He goes, wait, you fucks. I'm in high school. No, get them. Get them. They're like, yeah, that's what you would say. And <laughs> they just, like a, like a cartoon, they start surrounding him as we, you know, we, we hop over the wall that we had pre-planned pre to, to hop over. Oh, good fucking times. Good fucking. Share me your paddling stories at Downtown MMA if you guys ever had any. Let's recap the picks and get out of here before this call comes in. I got John Jones beating Anthony Smith. I got Tyron Woodley beating Kamaru Usman. I got Ben Askren beating Robbie Lawler. I got Willie Awesome losing to Tisha Torres. So I got Tisha Torres beating Willie Awesome. I got Cody Garbrandt beating Pedro Munoz. I got Zabit Magomed Sharapov beating Jeremy Stevens. I got Misha Serkinov beating Johnny Walker. I got Cody Stammen beating Alejandro Perez. I got Diego Sanchez beating Mickey Gall. I have Edmund Shabazian beating Charles Bird. I have Macy, or I have Gina Mazzani beating Macy Chasson. And I have Pollyanna Viara beating uh, Hannah Cyphers. Uh, played Torres, played Serkinov, played Sanchez. Fun flyers on the Zany, fun flyers on Stevens and Smith because I'm avoiding the favorites. Avoided really the top three fights there. Um, avoided Mazzini, Chesson, avoided Vienna Cyphers, and Munio Garbrands as well. Thank you guys, as always. Sorry for the later or short episode. Hopefully it was tight enough for you to mix in. You can uh, use it at you as you will, but just make sure you enjoy the fights. Play safely, responsibly, and always protect. Mm -hmm.